and a warm welcome to the centre-left politics podcast with myself Malcolm Clark and my co-host Carl Quilliam. We hope you're having a great summer recess so far. Uh, we are back this week for a one-off show before our weekly return from the beginning of September. So there'll be another short break after this week. Uh, when we are fully operational, you can expect new episodes to arrive every week on Fridays at 5pm. Uh, so before we look ahead to what we're going to go through this week, it will be probably a slightly shorter show. Um, but how's your recess break been so far, Carl? Um, yeah, really good, actually. I've had a, had a lovely time, thank you. So I've been Leeds for a couple of weeks, um, worked from there, got to yeah, just hang out in the pissing rain for <laughs> a couple of weeks. Fine. Welcome to the Fine. north. <laughs> but I, I think it was the whole country, wasn't it? The start of yeah, the start of the school holidays for for uh, parents. Um, yeah, it was just rain, raining and raining. But it was not. It was nice to be yeah, be be there and see friends and family and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we went bowling. Yeah, I I, I got onto the um, the leaderboard for the day. What was your score? Because I remember you're a decent bowler. I've got you know fairly high hopes here. What was the score? Um, I'm gonna have to. Gonna, I'm gonna have to go into. I I did take photo, so <laughs> be pleased um, to know. We're all getting <laughs> If it's not three hundred, then we're pretty upset at this it's point. Not, it's not. It's not three hundred, is it? It's definitely not. Uh, what is it? Uh, no, I thought. There we go. Oh, I got four strikes. Nice. So, which was in. I was into in the top strikes for the day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's like that competitive at the Hollywood Bowl in Kirkstall, but you know. And then I got 164. That's my, decent. Um, That's decent. I was, number, I was number two in today's top scores. I mean, there you go. I, I don't think our listeners can match that, to be honest. But if anyone can, then let us know. But do you when, when you bowl, Carl? Because I'm left-handed. I don't know about you. What what, what hand do you throw with? I'm uh, right-handed. Yeah. Right hand. Do you do it where you like do that proper sort of side on spin thing and your leg comes out or are you just sort of a very straight throw? How do you do it? I have a weird, so I, when I was a kid, um, did like a bowling league for a okay. couple of years in on a Saturday and I ended up stopping doing it. Um, partly because I wasn't, I didn't get any better because I bowl in a really weird way where I kind of fling it sideways, which works really well for me. But like, I didn't have any technique at all that could be like, could be improved or taught. Like I would have had to completely change how I bowl yeah. <laughs> in order to do it properly and actually get better than yeah. 160 or whatever. Cause you know, people get like strike after strike after strike. And I'm, yeah, I, I do that sometimes and then it just all falls apart. It's not like consistent. So Yeah. Uh, but and I really part, want to see part, you ball now. Like I really want um, to see this mad technique that you've got. My part, my partner, Chris, uh, who's my good friend when I was little, um, he he ditched me to go <laughs> to be in a team with somebody else. Um, and he then like he stayed doing it and went on to be like the Yorkshire champion. And I think almost bowled for it for England at some point. Um, but yeah, he probably went and yeah, he he did it properly. But I I've got I've got a trophy somewhere in my mum's garage for coming fourth. In this, I get trophies come fourth. I don't. I think they did because I I think because we came so close, they kind of gave us an extra trophy. So you've got a pity it was only trophy. supposed to be. 
Yeah, basically, because it was like, he should have only got the yeah, top three, but we came really close to being third. So we were like, here you go, have this. <laughs> That's good. I mean, it's there always been something I've kind of had like a passing interest in, if I'm honest. Like, but I don't, like, I'm someone who, I play, like, I'm good at that type of stuff. Like, I'm a good pool player, terrible playing a golf, horrific. Um, a good dart thrower, um, and I can, I'm trying to think of something else. And I play in indoor balls as well, which I quite like, the carpet balls, which I find very relaxing game. And I'm decent yeah. at that, so I'm quite good at the games where you have to sort of do like a technique and learn it and like practice it and refine it. And I'm quite, so I reckon I could end up doing the kind of, you know, proper, you know, flick of the hand and everything. And, and it's, a, but, and the games where you do sort of repetitive things sort of fit into my sort of approach to life. I quite, quite like repetitive stuff. Um, I have that sort of obsessive nature, I think, from playing pool since such a young age. I liked all the patterns and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely a game that I used to... I really enjoy watching it on TV. You know, when you get the pros and they just strike after strike, it's amazing to watch. Um, it's it'd be like watching you play, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is very... Let's say kind of you to say so, Marco. <laughs> so the uh, APPG for bowling, we found a new secretary out for that called Carl. Yeah, fine. Um, <clears throat> once you get elected, you, uh, you can set that up. Ten pin, yeah, fine. APPG for ten pin bowling. <laughs> Might have already been done. Um, but yes, anyway, that yeah. So so my my update is is less fun. Sadly, yeah, I've had COVID. Um, so apologies for any any coughing up. You know, I sound bad, but I'm I feel fine, but I, I sound not so good. So as things um, as things happen, don't worry that I'm muting Carl. So you if you hear me coughing, I'm muting the mic. So hopefully it doesn't come through. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so I was pretty poorly uh, last week, sadly, but I'm better now, and obviously you know grateful that it wasn't worse. Uh, so it's not a very nice thing, but so I haven't really followed much to do with the the politics, and you know certainly. Monday or Tuesday, I couldn't even have followed what was going on in front of me very eyes. So, <clears throat> but yeah, so it's uh, glad you've been having such a good time. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I, as Carl was throwing these strikes, I was just lying on bed screaming for life, you know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, pleased that I'm feeling a lot better now and back to work and enjoying stuff. So yeah, and the weather's been quite nice as well. One thing they've never worked out how to devolve Carl is the weather up to the north it's uh but we've had a nice run of of them um, well it's been weird because we had that like really hot streak you know when it was like sunny for like three weeks solid there was no rain at all and it was so hot that the grass was scorched which never happens it's gone the other way now where it's just rained for like the same length of time to the point where like it's like raining and then hot and raining and hot so the grass is just absolutely flinging up and you know so i've had to do I had to, while i was ill i had to cut my grass which wasn't a fun uh, endeavor at yeah. all. <laughs> no, I had to chop down the tree in my garden. Yeah. It's not too big. And I've got some uh, weeds in the back. The back garden needs some serious tension. Um, and I've got some, as I'm at work next week, and then I've got some leave for a week. So that is the, that will be getting attacked mercilessly. Um, and I'm sure I'll update at that time. So there you go, everyone. <clears throat> that is a fun uh, seven minutes. To start the the reduced podcast, we always say that, and then we end up talking for just as long. Yeah, we'll be here for days. Don't worry. <laughs> right, apologies. So what are we going to talk about? Again, I was just having a bit cough there. Sorry about that. Um, right, so we are going to we're going to start by talking about the Labour Party conference. We are not a million miles away from from conference season. 
Um, and apparently, Carl, Labour is is on Labour list, so you know there is a slight bias here. Uh, but Labour is is expecting a record-breaking conference. None. That's not really a surprise, is it? Because people, who's, who's going to want? And I, and I almost feel like I'm not going to say this because you always tell me off when I say I feel sorry for the Tories. But you know, <laughs> objectively speaking, Carl, which I appreciate, we are as biased as it gets. But uh, like nobody wants to go to the Tory party conference this year, do they? I mean, everyone wants to come to Labour, so it's not a surprise that they're expecting attendance as high as fifteen thousand, and it took one day to sell out the business, the main business day. Absolutely flew. Yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, it's not a surprise uh, at all. Um, I don't want to go to the Tory conference. <laughs> um, you got ill last year, didn't you? I got ill at, I mean, <clears throat> I caught something at Labour conference and was ill afterwards. I wasn't, thankfully, ever destined to go to the Tory conference last year, <laughs> but... Um, but no, Labour Conference was good last year, and I think yeah, I mean it's uh, everyone I've spoken to. Um, it seems that it's going to yeah, that everyone wants to be there. There's a whole load of businesses that probably haven't been to conferences, never mind to, to Royal Labour for a long time. That uh, all of a sudden realise that actually Labour could be in government next time, and they want to engage and be join join the party. And the fun that we're all have. I almost feel yeah. like I have to. I should be gloating because, like, if I was Labour, I'd be thinking, "Ah, you're loving me now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah." You know. I mean, you are Labour, really, but <laughs> well, yeah, I am, I but allegedly. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah. Oops, I, I muted the wrong mic there. Sorry, uh, so that's going to come through. Damn. Anyway, so, so yes, but, but yeah, a feeling yeah. apparently according to Labour list that you have to be there. Uh, this year, it's likely to be the last uh, conference before the general election, and I just noticed something else as well, Carl. That, uh, <clears throat> two weeks on Wednesday, and this won't feel like a year, will it? Two weeks on Wednesday, and we—I pr- probably should wait till the seventh of September to say, guess what yesterday was. But I'm gonna—I'm gonna throw it out there because we've got nothing else. Is that on the sixth of September? That's a year since Liz Truss became prime minister. Uh huh. We can we can celebrate that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's style. Um, shouldn't we be celebrate? We can we should celebrate when she stopped being prime minister. Well, I felt that was like I saw that because somebody posted the the you know like the the royal writ that says you know formal appointment notice. But I felt really mm. sad because that meant that that was only a couple of days before the queen died. So like the queen passing really did affect me. I more than much more than I ever thought it would. Um, so I read that and I wasn't sort of thinking ah ha ha there's trust I was sort of a bit upset about the Queen <clears throat> but there you go so yeah it's been it's quite weird though you wouldn't have thought like this time last year was before Liz Trust became Prime Minister it doesn't feel like a year at all feels like an eternity <laughs> um, probably just for her as well um, in, in many ways um but yeah, no, I think that, I mean, the Labour Commons thing is, is, yeah, it's interesting that I think the thing about it, and it might be that we want to do a, a pre or post conference special to um, give people a bit more insight into what's going on or what went on. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for lots of reasons. Um, I think there's going to be so many events that were probably short on MPs. Uh, never mind shadow ministers. I mean, shadow ministers are going to be back to back. They'll probably be trying to do, you know, on two panels at once at various things all around the place. 
the conference hall. But I mean, yeah, 200 MPs isn't that many, assuming they don't all go for the whole conference, which maybe they are now, to to fill all those events that are going to be happening. Um, so that's going to be a, a big thing. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of very tired looking people, I think, running around. <laughs> Speaking of um, that, it, did you see um, Angela Rayner's bus that was up at the Angel of the North the other day, and she was rocking out with some tartan Doc Martens, which looked pretty cool. Um, but she's yeah, got a Rayner bus. I did. See, I did see that. Um, I thought you were going to say. Speaking of that, if anyone wants a speaker for conference, come to there's two podcast hosts. <laughs> um, no, uh, but yeah, no, I did. What's it? It's called something, isn't it? Uh, Rayner on up. the road or something. Yes, or? Rainer, I mean, yeah, I mean. Uh, I don't know if I've got oh. the. Hang on, Angela Rayner bus. I need to look it up. Let's do it live. Nothing could possibly go wrong. I don't. I saw it, and I don't know how I feel about it because I kind of like it, but it's so cheesy that I feel like I shouldn't. Because there's been a lot of like. <clears throat> bus. Right. In in Scotland, it says. Angela, I'm going to send you a link, Carl. I appreciate there's right. no, nobody in the uh, in the um, on the podcast can see what we're looking at, but at least Carl can see it. Excuse me. Um, right, so yeah, it says Angela Rayner launches bizarre English camper van tour, and it's it's Rayner on the road, sponsored by the Mirror. Got the Mirror logo on there, which I presume is yeah, I saw that. Yeah, um, and she's <clears throat> she's she's um, yeah, just looks like a big ice cream van. But it's not. <laughs> it's a it's a funny sort of echo of John Prescott, isn't it? When he was uh, deputy prime minister, doing his little battle bus tour. Um, albeit, you know, this is a camper van. I mean, the, um, the, the the national in Scotland's been a bit naughty. I mean, they've said um, this is what it says. So far, so good. She's more down to earth and popular with voters than her boss Robo Kia. I mean, how many nicknames can you get? I mean, the national is like a. I'm pretty sure is a SNP. Supporting newspaper, isn't it? Um, and this is so, it's backed by Labour's in-house magazine, The Mirror. <laughs> I like that. <coughs> yeah, don't give it the the dignity of being a newspaper. Um, oh, god. But yeah, I think I agree with you, Carl. I'm not sure what I make of that really. Uh, I'm surprised the, the mainstream hasn't sort of used it as a you know. Raina makes a pitch of the leadership by going on a tour without care. You know, like oh. But I mean, definitely that. I mean, it can't, I mean, if you were making a pitch for leadership, you wouldn't do it in a camper van. I mean, fundamentally. <laughs> but, but the thing is, like, like I say, I kind of like weirdly, I quite like it, and I think it might be quite fun. Like, I wouldn't mind. Our going names wouldn't work, you know. Mal on the road just sounds like a bad movie. Carl in the camper van, yeah. Um... Oh, yours does work. I hate you. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I'd be more than happy to join Angela Rayner for, you know, for a week and on the road in, in the camper van. I think that'd be quite a fun, fun trip. That's all. I mean, there's I a lot, there's a lot worse head, you could like, do with your time. I mean, yeah, no, seems, she seems like a right laugh, so I, I'd, I'd be. Probably <laughs> I often for that. wonder though, like what people, because I always have this thing, and this is where I'm kind of scarred from being a counsellor and getting do and having to live with the division. I was listening to um, a rival podcast who are slightly more successful than us, uh, Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell, where he said, <clears throat> Rory used to travel on, on the tube in London a lot. And he said how like people would just come up to him and just scream at him and swear at him. And like he said that as if it was just something that just happened. I was like, I'd be mortified if that happened to me. And he just seemed to accept it and almost like he almost 
deserved it, which, you know, is clearly nonsense. And I, I just have a feeling like when she gets out, that people will be like, and just have that kind of weird reaction. To it. And like, I think she's got enough about her and she's vivacious stuff where she can build that rapport with people. Um, but I, you know, I think that's a real skill of a good politician to get get over that initial sort of poor reaction that you sometimes get from people. And I think she's she's got that skill. It is a skill because I think it's really it's something I I don't have that ability, which is why I'll probably never stand for elected office again. Because as much as I enjoy do, doing the job, I, I I fully admit I have certain gaps in my artillery, uh, which that's probably one of them. But I think it's almost a bit tongue in cheek, which I quite like. Yeah, no, I mean, almost it definitely is. It's just a, it's a funny thing to, yeah. It's just I wasn't expecting it. It just sort of came out of nowhere, and I wonder what she's going to do with it. Did they say how? Because I didn't read, I didn't see anywhere how long she's doing this for. Is it just like a summer, just for a week? I think uh, well, possibly a week. That, but I only read that on this last article. All right. Um, do, <clears> does she get to keep the camper van? And are there any? Um, <laughs> she could have borrowed one from the SNP because they've got a few lying around, haven't they? That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Sorry, I'm just nicking okay. a joke. I apologise. It's fine. It's all right. You know, it wasn't scripted, you say. That's mind. why we script stuff. <laughs> but yeah, no, you'd be sort of tempted to drive up to Nicola Sturgeon's house and just say if you, Do you, you lost fancy it. coming along? You can bring your own. Yeah. <laughs> fine, yeah. Good. Well, so, you'd probably just say, you know what, we got given this, we didn't buy it with our funds. Uh, you know, that's that's the difference. Sponsored by the Mirror, rather than our party treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. All right. So what what's next, Malcolm? Next next on the agenda is um, the Jamie Driscoll Northeast Mayoral update. Now I put this in because we did cover it, and obviously this is a developing. Well, sort of a development story on the basis that Jamie set up a GoFundMe uh, thing, which which did initially very well, to give him credit. Um, and he's now sitting on £130,250 of a £150,000 target. Um, and he had said that had he, if he raised 25000 which he clearly did very quickly, by a certain date, which he very, very easily met, uh, he he would actually stand as an independent candidate. Now, he'd already resigned from the Labour Party at this point, so he's sitting as an independent North of Time Mayor, which I've already talked about before. Um, my question to get your view, Carl, was that given that Jamie's standing and he's been on any questions on Radio 4, I uh, listened to him on there, and he's also been on Question Time on TV. Um, I guess two parts to my question to get your views on would be the first one is, how does he maintain that? And, I'm, and I use the word momentum, not as a double entendre here. He's clearly backed by them. But uh, how does how does he maintain that, that sort of pace of his campaign? And secondly, can he win as an independent without courting the sort of anti-politics vote that independents and the populism that independents normally look for, that people before politics stuff? Because he's kind of more of a, in some ways, uber-political independent compared to a non-political independent but there you go so a couple of things that i won't pick for you yeah i i think i i i think it's a bit of an unknown for him because he's not so people who've done this in the past um are very kind of particular sort of 
without what you know, probably, might be overusing the word a little bit, but sort of have a bit of a kind of populist about them. Um, they have and they have a bit of a profile that's kind of independent of, that was independent of the party. I don't get the sense that Jamie had that up until this point, and he's trying, like you say, he's trying to build that. He had a little bit of a spike in attention when there was the, you know, he sort of, well, he launched this crowdfunder and the kind of the row within the party gave, gave him a bit of national attention. But it's not at the level of, say, like a Ken Livingstone who did that in London or like a sort of George Galloway type figure. Um, and it's quite a big area to, if you don't have a, like a decent national profile to try and run as an independent, it's not like running you know, as the Hartlepool mayor, it's that, you know, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of ground to cover without having, and, the, and bearing in mind, there's not like loads of, you know, there's not loads of local media everywhere that's going to keep covering you all the time. Mm. There's not like, you know, there's the local, you know, the, um, there's like the local BBC news you might get on occasionally. There'll be some local papers, but the local, local news just isn't what it was. So it's quite difficult keep that side of things going so he's gonna have to keep doing things that get him attention the kind of question time appearances uh you know it, ideally you'd want to be on like have i got news for you or something like ken livingston who was often on have I, have I got news for you before he became uh kind of independent mayor um and i think that is probably the the nearest sort of example uh, you know in in that we have so i think it's a, it's a really difficult one to judge because he is getting attention he's managed to kind of maintain it a little bit albeit i haven't noticed him quite as much you know i people don't really watch question time you know, normal is the watch question time um so i've not seen i saw that kind of spike but i haven't really noticed the stuff that you've noticed over the, the last few weeks um so I, I really don't know it's it's a really tough one to judge and like you say in terms of his like platform it's not really clear. He's not got a really kind of clear whether it's an anti-politic platform or whatever it is. It's just not. It's not clear what it what it is. Why he's doing it. Um, he's sort of you know he's he's become this kind of figure of the left and they're kind of uh, in, in Labour um, absent kind of Jeremy Corbyn um, who you know to kind of make a stand I suppose or try and make a stand and I don't know if they've necessarily chosen the right person. I mean, he could, he could do it. I don't, I don't, you know, it's possible, <clears throat> but it doesn't feel like he will at this stage, no. for me anyway. No, no, I think I agree with most of that. I think for me, he hasn't got the appeal of Corbyn um, and also the timing's a lot different for him. For me, I think the problem he's got is that an independent candidate tends to do well when they sort of can be completely outside of, of politics with a capital P. Obviously, they're not purely by virtue of the fact they're standing, but what they'll say is, you know, it's people before politics, it's a plague on both the houses, it's about issues and people not... And they'll take populist positions because they've got the freedom to do so. Um, Jamie hasn't done that. He's actually... <clears throat> he's almost purifying politics insofar as he's a uber politician where he's saying Labour's moved away from him so he's actually more party political in some ways more pure in terms of ideology than what um, he claims Labour is now and obviously that I don't think as well that his main gripe is that Labour screwed about a standing effectively um, vast majority of voters won't give two hoots about that 
to be honest. And you know, the people who do care about that are people who was already supporting him anyway. <clears throat> Disgruntled Labour members, been a lot of resignations. He's proven to be a rallying point for that. As you say, Carl, if they were going to make a, an open selection, he's there because he was already north of Tyne Mayor. Um, if they were looking for that charismatic leader, to be fair to Jamie, it probably wouldn't have been him. Um, so, you know, he's he's there because, in my opinion, and some of the nonsense that's been going around, and it is nonsense, um, saying, and obviously I can't prove it 100%, but, I, you know, look, the evidence I put forward for this is that every single CLP has been taken, ugh, taken back, I, I don't like that language, but, you know, has been, all of the elections that matter have been won by moderates significantly selections have been won by moderates <clears throat> but all of a sudden you know Labour's screwed Jamie because Jamie was going to beat Kim McGuinness like he wasn't going to beat Kim McGuinness um, Kim was going to win handsomely um, and, and did win very very handsomely the selection against Paul Brannan um, and that would have been a, you know okay Jamie would have got the support from the left etc <clears throat> I think he would have got maybe 30% third, 30, 33-35% but Kim would have won and like I say, uh, there was reasons why Labour said he couldn't stand, which I fully respect. Um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting one. He can only win if he manages to get the votes that really I don't think he can capture because he would have to be the anti-politics person, and he definitely isn't. One thing about the left, as we all know, is they're very ideological and and they're very very pure. They very they know exactly what to stand for. Um, whereas independents are usually a bit more vague and just play off the fact that that anti-political vote that's maybe, you know, a free 35% of people who just go, oh, I don't like politicians, I'll vote for the independent. <clears throat> and in councils, we see that work to very good effect in many, many, many seats. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it actually ends up. Uh, I, th I think you'll do all right, but I don't think you'll win. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um I was talking to somebody. Uh, it's, it's also how this actually plays out in the in the kind of minds of real people who don't uh, pay attention to like yeah. if you, you you have to pay quite a lot of attention to politics to have noticed Jamie Driscoll at all outside of maybe a couple of days when there was that. Well, I think even the row is probably quite a you know you have to have some interest in politics to have noticed that there was a row between him and. Um, the Labour Party and all of that because actually yeah, I was talking to someone this week about, and it just happened to come up um, and they said they thought he'd stood down as like as mayor like, they just yeah. thought he wasn't mayor anymore like, and that's uh, yeah, that's how this kind of stuff you know, filters through to real people because actually most people don't really understand the mayoral <clears> system <throat> the kind of well this is the thing if, if you and, support you know, Jamie You've got to have understood the machinations of the Labour Party as to why he didn't get the chance to stand for the selection vote. You've then got to care that he stood down on that basis. You've then got to look at his policies and believe in effectively what is a very left-wing position. He's, he's always been there. Um, respect him for that. He's never moved. And to be fair to him, he hasn't taken uh, those sort of obvious populist positions. He's had a couple of opportunities and has actually taken what you might think is the is the less popular position on, on a couple of things because that's his ideology that's what he believes in um, yeah. <clears throat> so again you know he's not going to collect those populist easy votes an independent can get by being outside of the political process he's very much in it in fact you could argue maybe more so than 
than other candidates because he's so ideologically pure in terms of what he says he stands for. So he's, he's actually trying the opposite end of the of the argument in terms of what an independent would, would normally do. And people have to, you know, believe in that bit. And I think that's where he's gonna gonna struggle. But like I said, as people like us who are who are inside looking out, it's it's somewhat difficult to judge it because what might happen is because people don't pay a great deal of attention, they could vote like that without realizing that he's not that so you could get a lot of votes because he's just independent and just get them for free <clears throat> because they see him as a, an independent without realizing that he's not the classic independent that that maybe people might expect to stand like a celebrity or a ex-footballer or something that that might put that in forward there's also no no guarantees call <clears throat> which i think would be bad for jamie if there's another independent comes forward as well that's got a, a profile that could step in that would probably take some of his vote as well yeah, or if they just do the sort of the by-election thing happens where there's like four independents, uh, and they, they may not have any profile, but they just want to stick their hat in the ring, and that it just sort of makes the ballot paper that bit more confusing, and you lose <clears throat> you, you, in that kind of election, you could lose a few thousand to that quite easily. Um, probably we've probably given that a good airing actually but um yeah but just be interested <laughs> what to keep keep an eye on and uh yeah to i'm i'm not sure if anyone can email us if they, if they know if if gofundme pay you uh if even if you don't meet your target i don't think it's like crowdfunder but anyway we'll leave it there um the next one carl i think is one that you were gonna direct us on while i cough happily in the background uh, we've got <laughs> by-elections and ULA. It's been a few weeks now since uh, those particular Uxbridge one that was very much within that issue. Um, <clears throat> what would you like to say on this one? What on earth are you going to talk about? It's weeks ago. Um, uh, it's basically because I haven't had a chance to air my views about um, the by-elections and the aftermath. But also, obviously, we've got the uh, Rutherglen um, one coming up, the Rutherglen and Hamilton mm. um one coming up soon uh and that's that's it's got its own kind of but i think that we've had some really interesting by-elections uh of which the rutherglen one is um the kind of the next in the series because then this one will give us hopefully a bit of an insight into how labor's doing in scotland how the smp are doing in scotland it's a sort of you know it as much as you know you can't take too much from by-elections um the big shift in polling, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. And particularly, I think, because of what happened in Uxbridge and South Rysdip. Um And um, I've now forgotten the name of the other seat that we stood in, that we, that we won. I, I so should, why, there we go, Selby so and Ainsley. That's, uh, yeah, you have what. to be called Kier if you stand for Labour now. Yeah, that's it. We've got an army of Kiers out there ready to take office and govern. Um, so, yeah, so I think it, the SNP one I think will be really interesting because the Uxbridge one basically went against national polling. Um, you know, the, the Tories ran a good campaign uh, by all accounts, uh, or at least good enough to just squeak it over the line. Uh, in a way that wasn't wasn't really expected. Labour and fair play to people on the ground and uh, Labour HQ were quite adamant all the way through that it was going to be a tough one to mm. win, and they were right. Um, 
but, but on the same day we had Delby where we got a massive swing uh, in a seat that we probably wouldn't have even targeted in a general election. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how that kind of thing plays out, whether the SNP, and I don't think they would, I think the SNP are, you know, by and large, maybe out in a few pockets they can do this, but then they're, they're not like, they don't have a reputation of being amazing campaigners. They came in on a wave of post-independence um, referendum kind of popularity and have kind of ridden that ever since. They, they don't have really anything else to say. Um, in terms of like driving their vote out, um, so I think it's going to be quite fascinating to see in this kind of triptych. Obviously, I haven't really mentioned the Lib Dems winning a by-election wherever they won it on the same day. Um, Summer to That's the one. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that's hugely interesting or important at this stage. I think that this kind of trio of by-elections for Labour are really interesting uh, snapshot of how the kind of polling is playing out and some of the kind of the potential for some odd results on election day. Um, and I, I'm, <coughs> I, I'm really interested particularly in so the, certainly how the SNP thing plays out and whether there's a genuine collapse in the SNP vote or whether actually mm. it's a close election and we, you know, either it matches the polling or, or kind of undershoots it. But also the how the kind of so what one of the things that's going on at the moment with the economy obviously we're not the economy isn't growing famously uh, i think we grew by 0.3 percent which was you know, great excitement that we, we got that um, um but that is london so london and presumably the those commuting into london london is growing the rest of the uk is not there's so much for leveling up and I, I wonder, you know, Oxbridge was obviously very kind of targeted about ULES, and I think it's worth us talking a little bit about that in a minute. But um, but I do wonder if the Tories are able to kind of run those kind of... I don't think they, they're not but necessarily kind of hyper-local campaigns, but campaigns that kind of turn out their voters. Actually, if there's a bit of a kind of halo effect around London and the South East, that might be where we struggle, and actually where the Lib Dems struggle, where they have those kind of targets as well. If people don't don't feel as 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 poorly off um, as they might do, if the you know if they're if they are getting you know pay rises near inflation, and the economy fe- around them feels um, all right, albeit you know, not not great at all, that might be enough. For the Tories to hold a few seats here and there, um, which will kind of be a bit of a barrier, I think, to a Labour landslide and might throw up a few odd results where it's not quite in line with the national polling. But it's just me, this is that's just me like massively speculating at the moment. And I kind of, but I sort of want to see in the next 12 months whether that does something like that does play out and whether there's a few bits dotted around that that has an impact. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, the 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 Uxbridge election was was about ULES, and and it was interesting that was used by a, a faction of the Tory party to to try and relitigate net zero as an issue, um, and 
Michael Gove came out saying that Net Zero couldn't be, quote-unquote, a religious crusade. And there's been an intervention this week by uh, the West of uh, West Midlands Mayor, uh, Andy Street. Is he West Midlands? Have I got that wrong? He is. He is, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sorry, I just for some reason started doubting myself that that was where he was from. Um, but yes, he's, he came out and said that uh, the Guardian called it a significant intervention, saying that the party has to hold their nerve, uh, that that was a very localised issue. Uh, there was people who said that Labour should have come out strongly and owned it and said, look, we back it and we think it should go ahead and, and just sort of take it head on. Um, <clears throat> but that could be just people saying, having to go Kia for his, you know, it doesn't like to, you know, he's not yet wanting to go in the trenches in, in some ways. Um, I think the Tories, like you said, Carl, do very well when there's those sort of hyper-local things. I notice my local MP is always very much takes any opportunity to drive home a very local point whenever the opportunity arises that's that reflects you know difficulty on on the Labour Party um, <clears throat> he was always very very critical of Durham County Council before the uh, election when the Conservative-led coalition took over um, so that's that's where they it's the only thing they've really got because nationally it's very very difficult for them um, so I think in in Scotland we've seen them try to make divisions between Scottish Labour and UK Labour um, and I think yeah like you say the SNP vote it's the first thing I'll be looking at uh, on that result because you know <clears throat> if the vote collapses then that could that that could reflect in a general election but what it could also do is is galvanise to some degree the SNP vote where they realise you know we, we need to hold our noses and vote SNP still Otherwise, it's going to happen. But I think a lot of them now will be looking at what an SNP, you know, clean sweep across the board has actually delivered for Scotland. Very, very little. It gives them that, you know, mass uh, protest, but very little else. Um, and you know, as much, yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of Scottish voters are looking at it pragmatically, thinking our best opportunity for something is 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 not necessarily just that block of MPs in Westminster who shout ball about Scotland not getting a fair deal but never really get anywhere um, <clears throat> so I think Labour's got you know a good chance I think one of the challenges Labour have got in Scotland um, and I'll finish on this point is I think that I'm not saying that I've, I would advocate because I don't them giving them a referendum but I feel like to give absolutely nothing won't necessarily bring that vote through so they need to maybe I would say they need to look at the devolution settlement that maybe they can extend that a little bit, um, you know, keep the union together, but you know, give give Scottish voters a because there is clearly a, a, an appetite for for independence at some level. Um, whether or not ever any devolutions enough, I don't. I probably for a lot of them that's not, but that's the only direction we, we can go in. I think if if we're going to offer them something different, but we'll have to. You know, I'm not I'm not an expert in that area to to give specific examples. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to bite on the independence thing because I really want to talk about you, Les. Um, partly because I, <laughs> partly because I think there's a, there's a kind of broader issue, and partly because I live in London and I'm asthmatic, and I'm as a result a big supporter of you, Les. And I <laughs> no, I'm don't don't, don't let me uh, deviate out of that if you want to <laughs> talk about it. Go ahead. So, um, so I think so the. So we talked because we talked about the possibility in the, in our in in our prescient podcast 
we talked about in advance of the, the the day before the well we recorded it the the day of of the election before the results came out um the idea that actually we'd win selby and lose that we could lose Oxbridge and what that how that would play out and what the politics of that would be and how it would uh how it would affect or not Keir's leadership and all that and i think it was I, I, I feel like that the Labour Party has threaded a, a needle quite delicately, may, maybe on purpose or maybe just by happy accident. But basically, almost immediately, Keir started a row with Sadiq Khan, which hasn't become like a blazing row in the, in the media, but there was a clear... Um, there was clear words from him and from Danny Beals, who was the candidate. Basically, Euless was the issue, and something along the lines of, you know, we shouldn't have policies that appear on every single Tory leaflet. Um, now, I don't know if I agree completely with that sentiment, but that was, it was quite a clear statement that actually, mm. this isn't the fault of the National, yeah, the, the National Labour Party and I, as Keir Starmer, are doing very well. This is very localized issue, and I think that that message is carried through. I think the I'm, I think the sort of the disadvantage of that is that it has driven some more kind of negative coverage, negative sentiment around healers, which I think is yeah, I think all political parties up to a point. You know, Boris Johnson brought in the original healers. Um, he's now saying he's against this expansion. Um, it was there was yes at some point in the past there was some cross party consensus on it. I mean the yeah the Lib Dems have supported uh, you know the expansion forever and have you know now decided that they're against it and they're David Bondi first out opposing it, um, obviously. Um, but so I think that's a, it's kind of it's a shame that that's happened. But actually the they're sort of I think we're just about still. We're gonna. It's gonna be able to come in, which is I think is a good thing overall. Um, Sadiq's found some more money, uh, thankfully for the kind of scrappage scheme. So there's something. Yeah, there. He's shown, he's shown that he's listened both to the kind of the the party as a whole, uh, but actually to voters in Oxbridge and the kind of you know, some of that kind of wider negative sentiment. So I I'm hoping that we can kind of get out the other side of the summer, where actually. Ulez, you know, I think once Ulez comes in and it's been in for a few months, it just won't be as unpopular as it as the idea of it is because most people it won't affect at all. Um, if you be at, you know, if you need to replace your car, you can buy a second-hand petrol car from two thousand and five, um, which isn't you know, it's not like you have to get a Tesla. Um, so there are. There's ways and means of doing it. So I'm, I kind of hope that that's where we get to because I don't think the Tories. It's just impossible for the Tories to replic- replicate a, a campaign about Ulers that's really specific to specific parts of London in the rest of the country. They just, just those issues just don't exist. So um, yeah, so that was that was why that was the main reason I wanted to put this story in to talk about because I just wanted to have that rant um, <laughs> and get it off my chest. No, I think I mean, I mean I, with with you, Les, um, I I agree. I think I think it's good that he's he's shown that he's listened to it. Um, there's always that temptation, I think, to 
you know, when we've all done it, when, when I lost my seat, God, bloody Jeremy Corbyn's cost me a seat when I won it. I'm like, oh, no, great. Won my seat with a huge win. And it's a, it's a temptation that we all do. Um, <clears throat> but I think I think it's it's important that it's sad in a way for me because these the, the scheme's a good scheme and like you said didn't really affect that many people when you looked at it in the round and there's a there's a stat that's a very very well known thing that people are very very in favour of net zero until it costs them money and then that support drops away very very significantly and and I think that's something that any party that's putting forward proposals has got to hold their nerve because that will come that's going to happen in most most things if you do it in any area it's not just london but obviously london's particularly you know important for this but any area that you've, you're putting forward things that you know are going to cost people money that support does drop and it's very very difficult because that's when you get the populism slipping in look at the lib dems you know that that was a clear opportunity politically to take a position that a lot of people will be sympathetic to, um, at least in theory, until they looked into it closely. Um, and <clears throat> I always use my one of my family members as a yardstick, uh, who would have probably voted Lib Dem because they'd right. been so clear on that. Because it was just like, oh well, they, they wouldn't have looked back to see what they thought before. So th- yeah. that's where the populism is. Uh, one of my pet hates in politics is is populism because it's so easy, <laughs> easy yeah. answers to hard questions, and it's always there. The one thing I, the one thing I'd say, and I don't want to sort of, because I do, I do genuinely support you, and I think overall, you know, the the trade-offs are worth it. But I would say I do understand why, in the midst of a cost of living crisis, where the cost of everything else is going up, uh, this is this feels unfair to some people. I I get the I get that part of it, but it is. Unilead isn't the problem. All the other things are the problem. The Conservative government is the problem. You know, I'm thinking about having to get rid of my car um, next year, probably maybe for a bit, and then I'll get another one. I don't, I don't exactly know, but not because of the Unilead, because my the car I have at the moment is Unilead compliant. It's because my mortgage is going to go up by eight hundred quid a month, <laughs> um, and so. I, I I get I, I I do genuinely understand the 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 kind of the overall context, but the yeah. the Conservative Party is basically saying look over here. <laughs> it's like saying you know, it's the equivalent of someone nicking your wallet and then saying that guy's just stolen your banana. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not they're not comparable. Like the the cost of the the cost of the Tories is so much higher than than any any of this. It's yeah, that that yeah. No, no, I totally agree, Carl. Um, so I'll give a local example, Carl, on this one. Is that uh, when in Newcastle in Gateshead there was a a clean air zone implemented, and I hadn't read about it properly when I, I looked into it, and I was I think I mentioned it on this podcast actually that I was a bit against it, and all it would do would take road take traffic away from roads that were designed to have high volume of traffic and use the kind of feeder roads and I had a, the transporter bridge in Newcastle is quite a famous one that everything would come through there um, when I actually went into Newcastle recently I noticed that it applies to HGVs not to right. cars you know so like just that kind of like even for someone like me you can very easily miss the detail and yeah. it doesn't affect everybody and you just you know you get yourself riled up and I was thinking oh god they're going to have every car getting charged what's crazy they just didn't 
and 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 this is someone like I'm someone who is in probably the top one percent. I've got a podcast. I work in politics. I read about it all the time, and I still didn't see it. So if I miss it, it's easy for other people to miss it. So I think that that communication, how you get it out to people, is so difficult because a lot of people in this case, and it's true, looked at the ULEs and said this is terrible, not realizing that it applied to ten percent of cars on the road, if that. And 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 people, you know, a lot of people already had ULEs compliant vehicles, and and the criteria wasn't really really high. Because it only affected the oldest models that are still on the road, that probably should be coming off anyway. It's probably costing people. I remember my old car; I, uh, the last repair bill I had was like seven hundred pound just to keep it on the road before ten OT. Um, and mm. and instead of me wandering around thinking, well, I've paid my car off; I'm not paying every month for it. When I totted out how much I was paying for it in repairs, I was more than paying for my car over again. And what it was worth, I was virtually paying the value of the car every time I went to the garage. So, yeah. Um, it's that classic thing, and that's what policy, that's what populism plays into as well, isn't it? Where it stokes that up, and they did very well out of it, and they held the seat. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, exactly. It, you, it's a classic kind of bio, you know, as a formula term. It's a classic kind of bio-election trick. You just make it about one issue. It's like a and they've been very effective at that, haven't they? The Tories have done that quite well. Um, and yeah. but it's going to be harder and harder to find those, and particularly a general election. It's going to be harder and harder to find those. And at a general election, that stuff doesn't cut through because people are looking at the macro stuff, the big stuff at that point. So you're very, it's very, very, very difficult to, to successfully do that um, at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, we pro- we probably kind of talked it all through, but I think the 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 only thing I'd add to what we already said is that. My temptation is to say that we, uh, we as a Labour Party, should sharpen up our um, by-election operation, because um, you know I think the a good campaign could would have recognised that. Well, I think the, a good campaign would have got ahead of the Tories. Really, you know the you, they were able to make the running with the ULES issue. And actually, that by-election could have been about something else. We could have dealt with the ULEZ issue, um, probably. Um, it may still have. You may still have ended up where it was, but it feels like there the could have been a bit. You know, from the outside, it feels like it could have been a bit more done. Um, but like you say, it might not be worth it for what we what. You know, we might have been able to do something that won another six hundred votes and got us over the line. But actually, it's not going to matter in a general election. And as long as we know that and put it in context, let's move on. Beat the SNP in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, when is that by-election? In... I don't know. That's why I said a few weeks. Oh, bummer. <laughs> right, OK. We'll have to look that up. See, we don't know what we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> right. So we've got right, a bit just... of time left for the last couple. I'm still coughing away. I do apologise. Uh, we have Government Health Week. Yeah, so I, I, so it's Government Health Week this week, which I'm sure everybody knows. Um, it's been all over, been all over the news. Um, now they go, so the the Tories went into summer recess, and it's I sort of get what the thinking behind it, and they decided they want to get back on the front foot. So they've had a week. They've had three different weeks. Last week was Migrant Week, with the Bibby Stockholm. Um, Boat, and they did a whole load of stuff around it. Uh, they moved heaven and earth to get a load of migrants onto this boat, and then it turned out there was Legionella on the boat, and they had to get off the boat again. 
Um, and um, and uh, the week before, I don't even remember what the week was. I think it might have been education. But basically, the, all of these weeks so far have been complete damp squibs. It's been the sort of... Uh, and I've, I think I've used the metaphor before. But it feels like they're throwing rakes on the ground for Labour to stand on and then just immediately standing on them themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bang, straight in the eye. And and the health week seems so... I mean, it's Thursday as we're recording this. Uh, Monday morning, Steve Barkley was out um, on the broadcast rounds. Uh, the line that they come up with was to have a go at the Welsh NHS for their... Um, for their waiting lists, which um, I don't really want to sort of um, give too much airtime to the criticism, because the well, bearing in mind that the Welsh waiting lists count, are counted differently than the than we do in England, so there's lots of different reasons why they'd be different. He had a go at that, and then basically made an offer to say that actually um, the English NHS could the people could be. In, from Wales could be treated in England to bring down their NHS waiting list, and it's so like the it's so insulting to the intelligence of anyone that's had to deal with the NHS and that understands the the length of NHS waiting lists in, in England. Never mind anything else. Um, I was imp- at least impressed with the brass neck of it, but then. Nothing else has happened, as far as I can tell. <laughs> they just didn't bother carrying it on. I, there may have been other announcements. I've not seen them. And to your point about us being, you know, properly engaged, if I've not seen them and I was looking out for it because I thought it was a bit silly, um, if nothing else, I don't see how anyone else would notice that it's Health Week and the Tories are talking about how great they're doing and attacking Labour on the NHS somehow. Yeah, and I think we had a, we, we a similar thing, Carl, when obviously preparing for tonight's show. There wasn't a lot of like big ticket stuff that you could put in to say that since our last sort of show a few weeks ago that we had to cover the following things. There was actually a bit of a dearth of of options that we've ended up. I mean, we've done quite well to get nearly an hour out of it, I think, but it, it the stuff that, you know, all due respect to the issues we've raised are important issues, but... There wasn't a lot to go at, really. Um, we've had to do a bit of scratching around to fill our sort of hour up, and you know, that's sometimes what happens when Parliament's not sitting. But there's usually stuff going on, and and I think a lot of it is is almost marking time. And I think I think it'll kick on. Conference season will be the you know the the, the big big announcements. You're going to get a lot. Of, we'll have fun with that because there'll be lots of good uh, keynote speeches from people looking to either make a splash or build their own profile. There's lots to, particularly on the Labour side, there's a lot to be that airtime is precious when they get up on that stage to to make their case for, for their own careers and also for the big big future of the country as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it has been an oddly quiet recess uh, compared to some yeah. others. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, yeah, I mean, it has, it's definitely been quiet in that sense. But there's clearly been a, a desire to, for, but from the Conservatives in, in particular. Um, so I mean, you know, the case times have been up in Scotland, a whiskey distillery meeting us. Our, um, you know, he's Labour have been active as well. But um, yeah, I think the, the, my take 
the sort of the this kind of weeks thing is that the and the Tories can't get through a week. <laughs> like they can't. Like they've decided they want to. This is their thing. They want to do for a week. They're going to get on the front foot. And they made it barely two days into the, to a full week. I appreciate it might be that that's partly because it's the B team. Lots of people are on holiday, whatever. But they, you know, whatever. They by the time they get to the next election, they need to be able to get through a week. It's going to be a six-week, very intense campaign. They're going to have a very similar thing where they're going to want to theme each week, get on the front foot, get ahead of Labour, be talking about what they want to talk about. And if they can't get more than a couple of days in, or if the thing that they want to talk about is this big boat that they've insisted on for some reason that people have to be on the water instead of on land, so it's so much more expensive than... you know. It, apparently it's the same cost as a Disney cruise. You can send each of the... Um, the people that are going to be staying on it, if they eventually ever get to stay on it, on a Disney cruise for the cost of it per person. Um, yeah, you do that. Move heaven and earth. You package up a whole load of other announcements. So they're consulting on how much they're going to charge. They're going to um, increase all the fines for um, landlords and for employers if they employ people without proper documentation or house people without proper documentation, which again, is to cover up for the fact that the um, prosecution rate on that has dropped massively since in the last few years. Um, but, you know, you, they've geared themselves up to do that, and then it just all falls apart immediately. They need to somehow get to a point where that doesn't happen. If they have any, you're going to have even the slightest chance of clawing back, uh, not even victory, but not an embarrassing defeat. So, yeah, that was that was why I kind of stuck this in. So I think you know, maybe they'll get there and maybe conference will be it. That'll be the jumping off point for the Conservative Party to get back on the front foot and they'll have a another week of something or other that they want to talk about and it'll work. But at the moment, they seem to be completely knack. Yeah, it does seem spent. Um, and I think, Carl, we've mentioned for you know since we started doing this podcast a long time ago that at some point, the comeback has to happen. Otherwise, it otherwise it doesn't. To be totally blunt about it, and you know, so far the polls suggest that they remain twenty points ahead. Um, there's been no sort of tightening at all. And and like you say, if they can't get the basics right, it may just be that they're just a spend force at this point. I mean, they seem to be prioritising. <coughs> excuse me, they seem to be prioritising the um, oddest policies, uh, populist policies, and. I just don't know if that's the best thing for them to be doing, but yeah, um, at the moment, there's you know it's, it's labours to lose at this point. Again, it has been for a while, but I think there's no sign of that comeback that they need to even make it competitive. Yeah, and there's a bit of it, and it's not quite the same. But there was a—I don't know if you remember—there was a bit at the end of Gordon Brown's premiership where sort of every, it felt like every couple of months there'd be a bit a whole load of briefing about how he was going to do a big relaunch. And they sort of there was about I don't know it felt like it was like twelve relaunches or something. I even attended uh, one of them. It's there you go. Yeah, <laughs> and they sort of it's <laughs> a raft of spending and Peter Manderson was out there with his checkbook and yeah. yeah. It, part it's cyclical, Carl. I've always said it that you know eventually you run out of time, and I think I do feel, and I'm, you know obviously I want it to be the case as well, but as objective as I can, it does feel like it's time for a change. Even if he didn't want that change, I think even people who vote conservative can see the 
writing on the wall and understand that you know that there comes a point where you've got to step back re- regroup and, and then come again and you know at some point down the line they'll win another election but they're not gonna it looks like they're not gonna win this one yeah no that does feel like, i mean i i was yeah speaking to someone who's a you know conservative voter um long-standing but couldn't you know, and it might have been because of my many rants uh, that stopped him, but I couldn't really come up with anything great to say about the Conservatives at the moment. Yeah, I think even even if you're a Conservative voter, you have Conservative values, um, and you you know you would normally vote for Conservatives. I think you'll struggle to come up with a reason to vote for them next time, and it might just be out of loyalty to the party rather than anything they've actually done or achieved. Yeah. So. As we move towards the end of this podcast, um, just want to also mention a little bit of history that's coming up. We have the um, we have the uh, England Lionesses are in the World Cup final, um, playing Spain on Sunday at eleven a.m. So hopefully everyone tunes in for that. Uh, watch a little bit of history, and I have to say I, I remember going back in nineteen ninety nine to watch the Lincoln Ladies play when I was at university. And the, the standard of women's football, I mean, okay, 25 years on, nearly a long time, is incredible now and, and really very watchable sport because they're professional athletes now. They're getting paid somewhere towards where they should be. It's still got a long way to go. But it's great to see the crowds are absolutely huge. Um, and this, again, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, England are European champions <laughs> and hopefully about to be World Cup champions. And I think... If I remember watching the Euro final and being over the moon when we scored late on, hopefully they can bring it home next week, and that will just be historic uh, in terms of of that. Um, the draws been nice to them, the big teams fell out, and they're still there. So yeah, I'm, I'll be looking forward to tuning in on Sunday and hopefully watching a bit of history. Yep, and uh, just to bring it back to the politics before we <coughs> before we finish, uh, Labour have called for if. If the Lionesses win for uh, for a bank holiday to celebrate, so look forward to that bank holiday. Absolutely, and uh, that just about wraps things up for for this week, Carl. Do you have any any final any final words before we finish? No, just enjoy the summer, the rest of the summer. Um, I hope the weather stays all right, and we'll see you when we get back. Yeah, hopefully I'll be fully recovered from this rather lingering, irritating cough. To do, do apologise if you heard any coughs throughout the show. Um, and we'll be back at the beginning of September. Not exactly sure when, but do feel free to follow us on Twitter to find out. Uh, I will post at some point as to when we are back. Um, otherwise, the the episode will land, so stay subscribed. And we'll look forward to seeing you then. So good night and thanks for listening. <laughs>